This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. And uh, we are discussing the first of the 13 principles of faith. We're discussing the first of the 13 principles of faith. I believe, or I know, we said, we talked about last week, the two different versions in the Rambam. The Mishnah Torah, which is written by the Rambam directly in Hebrew, says, I, to, as a mitzvah, to know there is a God. The, the version of the Rambam, which is written in Arabic, which is mistranslated into, I believe. Right, so we said it's a mistranslation. There's knowledge and belief. And of course, all the commentaries go crazy, and they say there's different <laughs> levels. <clears throat> you have to know as much as you can, and the rest is made up of belief. Or you start off with a simple belief, and you do hakira. You investigate, you come out with knowledge. So, anyway, but the main thing is to know there's a God. We have to know there's a God. That's a mitzvah to know there's a God. And obviously it takes a lifetime to work on that knowledge of God. So we have to know there's a God. Mitzvah to know there's a God. The God is the creator. That's very important. It's not just you believe there's a God. God is the creator of the world. Everything came about because God created. It's very, very important to know God is the creator we know there's two words in Hebrew for creation. One is Beriah, Hashem Bereshit Bara Elohim. Bara is to create from nothing. And Hashem created everything from nothing. That's what we have to believe. That Hashem created everything from nothing. There was nothing pre-existing except for God. That's it. Hashem was, created. Hashem was there and Hashem created. The second word is Yotzer, which is used for the creation of man and animals. Hashem created something else. First he created the earth, and then he created man from the earth. Yeah. So we believe that Hashem is the prime creator. He created from nothing. Yes. Yotzer Or. Yotzer Or, right. Oh, right. But Or came from the sun. Okay, so anyway, it came from other things. But first, the primary creation. What created... Uh, if you look at the Ramban, it's very interesting. Ramban sounds like nuclear physics. Ramban says, first he created small, tiny uh, matter, particles. Amazing. Ramban and Chumash. Ramban says he created particles. Wild. Wild. How did he get that from? Where did he get it from? So anyway, so he, Ramban brings that down. So interesting, Hashem created the particles, and from the particles he created everything else. Okay. The atoms. Alright. So that's number one is, I believe, the perfect faith that Hashem is the creator and the ruler. Oh, God is the ruler as well. It's not just He created and walked away like Einstein wanted to say, right? He created and He rules. What do you mean He rules? What does it mean He rules? He's aware of everything that's going on. Hashem is aware of everything that's going on. And He knows what's going on. We're going to talk about it as well. So He's the creator and He's the ruler. He didn't just create and walk away. He's very concerned what goes on. That's called Hashgacha. Hashgacha is Hashem's divine providence, which means Hashem is in control every second of the day. The question is, if He's in control, how do we have free will? And the answer is, our free will is like the joker in the pack. <laughs> our free will can alter, but not change God's plans. What does that mean? My free will can alter, but not change God's plans. What does that mean? Mashiach is going to come either way. I'll make a wrong move. Hashem is the master chess player. You know, I've actually played a, a grandmaster of chess. It's a very humbling experience. <laughs> and the reason why it's a humbling experience is because he's playing, like imagine, there's 18 people sitting around these three tables, and he goes around just moving pieces. And everyone else thinking now, how do I, for the next 10 minutes we're thinking how to move, and he's just moving, but comes along, boop, 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 and obviously he beats all of us. It's a very, very humbling experience. So we make our moves in God's uh, plan, 
And Hashem says, okay, you delayed my plan by one move. My plan is going to come to fruition. It doesn't matter what you're going to do. But you just delayed it or you, you made it faster. The Mashiach will come and it's time or it will come earlier. Either way, Hashem says, listen, I got patience. There's no time as far as I'm concerned. You can play your moves as much as you want. But the fact is, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So that's going to happen. So we can just play around with it a little bit, with the system. You can delay a little bit. You can bring it earlier a little bit. But it's going to happen. Whatever God plans is going to happen, whether you like it or not. That's God's plan. Okay. So, this, so we saw it, that God is the creator and the ruler. That's number. That's very important to believe that God is the creator, not just created and walked away. He is involved in, 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 our, in His plan. Number two is He is one. Oh, He is one. Where do we get that from? Shema Yisrael, hero Israel. Who are we talking to? Hashem. Ourselves. Ourselves. We're talking to ourselves. Hero Israel. Me. I'm Israel. No one else has to hear you. You have to hear yourself. I am Israel. Each one of us is Israel. Hero Israel. The Midrash says, Yaakov Avinu asked his children, do you believe in God? They said, yes, hero Israel. He was Israel. They're talking to him. But when we're talking, we're talking to ourselves. Hashem, the creator of the world. Elokeinu, he's our God. He's the ruler. Hashem Elokeinu. Hashem is our ruler. Right. Hashem is Elokeinu. Hashem is our God. He's, that's divine providence. We acknowledge God is divine providence. Hashem Echad, and there's only one. There's a ruler and a creator. They're both one. The ruler and the creator are both one. Okay. So Hashem is not just one, Rambam says. Uniquely one. What's uniquely one? There's no other oneness like God's oneness. Amazing. What does that mean? It means each, each one of us is one. But each one of us has parts. I have a hand, legs, eyes, nose. Hashem is uniquely one. We don't even know that. We don't, that's why we, it's hard to understand what God is. We have no comprehension what uniquely one means. We have nothing, no, no frame of reference. What do you mean uniquely one? Like even the smallest particles have subparticles. They keep on going. They keep on finding new ones. And you, know, you can't get that. You know, what's the smallest which is uniquely one? And then the answer is what? Hashem. Hashem is uniquely one. Hashem is above time. Time does not affect Hashem. That's one of the kids that was asked that question. Where did Hashem come from? Who created Hashem? And the answer is Hashem is no creator. Why not? Hashem is above time. He was, he was always there. It's hard to comprehend. He was always there. What do you mean? He was never created. He, there, was, he was never, there was never a point where he was never there. So therefore, he's always there. If he's always there, he's always there. There's no creation of God. He's above time. He's always there. He's always there and he always will be there. So universes come, universes go. There's only one constant. It's called G. The G constant. You know, in physics, there's a G constant. It's called gravity. But in, the, in our world, in the Jewish world, the G is God. God is the constant. Hashem is the constant. Maybe we'll call him H. Hashem. The constant H. <laughs> so Hashem is above time. And if you, if you notice that when you're really engaged, when your mind is really engaged, the time really flies. If your mind is not engaged, time doesn't fly. Stand still. So it's very important. So when the time is engaged, so that's, that's some way we can understand for Hashem, it's amazing. Everything is happening at the same time. He's seeing Abraham. He's seeing Noah. He's seeing, you know, it's amazing. Everything is happening at the same time. There's no time. So everything, he's just watching the whole of history in front of him. Imagine, he knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what happened yesterday. Why? Because for him, it's the same thing. It's, it's hard to imagine, right? The movie is playing out, all the parts of the movie playing out at the same time. For Hashem. Hashem is above time. So he's watching the whole of time in front of him. And in fact, if you can link yourself to Hashem, you can time travel. Uh, the Gemara says, in Menachot, it said, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu sees Hashem making the crowns on the letters. 
And he says, Hashem, why are you making crowns on the letters of the letter? You know, the, the, the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet in the, in, the, uh, in the Torah takes... How many letters take crowns? Quickly. Sha'anez gets. Sha'anez gets. Shin ayin tet nun zayin gibul tzadi. Take three crowns. Bedek haya. Six letters take one crown. Bedek haya. Bet dalet kuf. Chet yud hei. Take one crown each. So these are crowns. So Hashem said, what's, what's, why do you need crowns for? He said, one day there'll be a rabbi who learn thousands of laws from these crowns. Which <laughs> means, what? Well, I want to see this guy. Show me this rabbi. He says, no problem. Go behind me. He goes behind, whatever that means, goes behind God. He lands up in the shear of Rabbi Akiva. Moshe Rabbeinu ends up in the shear. I wish I could do that. Goes in the shear of Rabbi Akiva. And in those days, the, the students sat in rows. The most advanced students sat in front. The less advanced students sat in the back. And that was the case in any Sanhedrin. Why? Because when there's a vacancy in the Sanhedrin, the next one would move up. Everyone would just move up one chair. So the most uh, advanced students would go up one, one, one seat. Moshe Rabbeinu says, ends up in the eighth row of the class. Imagine that means. <laughs> Very hard. He doesn't understand what Rabbi Kiva is talking about. It just shows how Judaism changed over the years. He doesn't understand what Rabbi Kiva is talking about. Until they asked Rabbi Kiva, how do you know this? And he says, Halacha le Moshe Sinai. I learned it from Moshe from Sinai and Moshe Rabbeinu. Thank God. That's something <laughs> something he's, he's saying I can understand. Baruch Hashem. About himself. Amazing. So... So a person, a person going to know Hashem is above time. Hashem knows what's going to happen. And a person's going to know, and this is very fundamental, Shulchan brings this down, we have to believe, whatever God does, He does it for the best. Hashem is doing everything for our best. We can't see how it's going to be the best. Hashem has a mechanism by which everything will turn out to be the best. And even evil has a plan in God's plan for us to become better. So the ten trials are Abraham Avinu. Right? Abraham Avinu has to go through ten trials. All of us in our lives, we go through trials. And the trial is terrible. These trials are horrible. They're horrible trials. Every day there's a trial. Every night there's a trial. And uh, everyone on their own level, we're all tested with emunah, with all sorts of things. These, this is one of the biggest tests. And can you imagine? Here, Hashem says, Abraham Avinu, go to the land I will show you. And yeah, I'm going to bless you and everything's going to go well. He goes to Israel, there's a famine. He says, Hashem, he doesn't ask questions. Hashem, what well, you sent me over here? Because there's a famine over here. What are you doing? Okay, he didn't, say, didn't ask any questions. He goes to Mitzrayim. He goes to Mitzrayim to weather out the famine. They take away his wife. They kidnap his wife. So a normal guy would say, Hashem, what are you doing to me? You promised me this and you promised me that. Doesn't, doesn't say a word. He goes back to Israel. Now he's, he's a lot of cattle. Lot is taken captive. He's got to go fight a war. Hashem, what? I've got to fight a war. I'm an only man here. Leave me alone. No. All the troubles happen. Hashem says, eventually, throw out your wife, Hagar. Throw out your son, Ishmael. Throw, kill your son, Ishmael. Well, it's God. Hashem, what are you doing to me? doesn't ask a single question. Amazing. That is Abraham Bin. That's why we can't reach the level of Abraham Bin. He never asked any questions. Everything's for the best. Everything's for the best. We ask questions. But as long as we, we can ask questions, as long as we still believe. We have to believe. We believe. And person has to have perfect faith. That's the first principle. You can ask as many questions as you want, just do not deny Hashem. Cannot deny Hashem. It's foolish to deny. It's foolish to deny Hashem because Hashem is the reality. We are the surreality. In other words, our lives are like a dream. But Hashem is the reality. But is asking <coughs> questions negating God? No. No. It's not negating because you're asking. You're asking Him. That's neg- that you're reinforcing that He exists. Why are you doing this to me? Right? So that's, uh, no, that's Yonah. No, Yonah had the questions. Yonah had all the questions. Abraham Vidu didn't ask questions. That was the level of Abraham Vidu. Abraham Vidu never had questions. 
David Amelech had questions. Right? Uh, what does he say? Eli, Eli, Lama Azabtan, who says that? Uh, Esther. It's David Amalek wrote it, but he said it's referring to Esther. He saw Ruach Kodesh. Imagine Esther in the palace, mm-hmm. and she said, "Why?" She said, "God, why have you left me? I believe in you, Hashem, but what about me? You left me here in the palace with this Rasha, this Achashverosh, this monster." Okay. So the question we have. Okay. So the first principle involves knowledge of God. There's a God, the Creator, perfect in every possible way, who is ultimate cause of all existence. All existence depends on him and is derived from him. Now, so let me ask you a question. I, I, you know, I have a, I have all of us dream. We all dream. Some of us just forget our dreams. Some of us remember the dreams. Some of the dreams are very foolish. Some of the dreams are real. That's another clash. Some dreams. I'm not going to talk about dreams now. But can you imagine now, in my dream, I'm thinking about something. And I see horses and cattle and this and that. And there's people over there in my dream. Do they exist or not? Do those people exist? Yes. No. On a certain level, do they exist? Yes. Yes. In my dream, they exist. Right. Now, can you imagine God's dream? Hashem is thinking, let there be this. Boom. Let there be that. Boom. In God's, in God's dream. I mean, we're all living in God's mind. That's what it means. Hashem recreates the world every second. Whereas if God would stop thinking about these things, everything would go back to being. So just an, and it's a mechanism for us to understand this concept. That Hashem is giving is giving life to all of us, and at will He can just turn off the turn off the tap. And the world is existing because Hashem is giving energy to the world. Without that, the world would exi- not exist. So Hashem is perfect; He doesn't need us. So if Hashem doesn't need us. Why do He create us? So that's what Rambam says. He says if it's conceivable that if Hashem does not exist. Nothing else would exist. He created us. He's the source of all the energy. So if Hashem does not exist. But Hashem is perfect. He does not need anything. Only Hashem, Hashem is perfect and therefore unity and mastery belong only to Him. He has everything He needs in Himself, does not need anything else at all. Everything else, whether it's an angel, a star, anything else, all depend on Hashem for their existence. Okay, so that is... A very important concept that everything is dependent on Hashem. Hashem does not need anything. So the question is, did God need to create the world? Did God want to create the world? Huh? He, wanted to. he wanted to. Why did God want to create the world? You know, that the Kabbalists have that. That's their philosophy. They discuss all these different things. Rav Chaim Vital discusses it. The of Darizal. He brings down at least four or five answers to that question. Why did God create? And the truth is, none of them are very good. None of these answers are very good. So this is one of the questions we don't understand. God wanted to create the world. God wants to get some kind of, like children, well, you want to get some kind of nachat ruach. You want to get some kind of, Ashkenazim say nachas, right, for children, right? Hashem also wants to get some kind of nachat for us. When we're doing the right thing, Hashem gets kind of pleasure. That His creatures, His creations are, getting, are doing the right thing. That's amazing. So, it's an amazing concept. Anyway, so where do we learn this principle from? There's one God, and the answer is we learned it from the first of the ten sayings. Hashem created the world, the ten sayings, but there's another ten sayings. He reinforced those ten sayings with the ten sayings at Sinai. Right? Advarim, ten sayings, which are called ten commandments, but it's a misnomer. It's not really ten commandments. It's more than ten commandments. But ten sayings. The first of the ten commandments is, I am the Lord your God, who took you out of the land of Egypt. 
land of bondage. Okay, that's the first commandment, and that's the, we learn out there's a concept, we have to believe that there's a God. Okay. The Rambam writes, in Yisodei Torah, the ultimate foundation and pillar of wisdom is the realization there's a first being who brought everything else into existence. Everything else in heaven and earth only exists as a result of the reality of his existence. If one could conceive that God does not exist, then neither could anything else exist. If, however, one could conceive that nothing else existed, Hashem alone would exist. In other words, He, need, he doesn't need us. So if Hashem is there, every, everything else comes because of Hashem. If nothing else is there, Hashem is still there. Okay, so if everything else ceased to exist, He would still exist. He does not depend on them. Nothing is as quite as real as He is. In other words, He is Hashem's reality. Everything else is surreality. Hashem wills it to exist. So He is the reality. Everything else surrounds Hashem. Okay, therefore the prophet Jeremiah says, and it's amazing, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 10, only He is real. Nothing else is real. Wild, huh? The prophet says, nothing else is real. He is absolute. Hashem is the absolute. As David Amelah says, Hashem tsuri vigoli. Hashem is my rock and my redeemer. Hashem is my rock. The reality is the only thing we can really depend on. It's amazing. There's nothing else in our lives we can depend on. You can't depend on your spouse. Did I say that? No, don't say that. <laughs> uh, you can't depend on your father. You can't depend on your mother. I'm saying 90% you can. But it's not real like a rock. It's not as real as a rock. You can't depend on your children, that's for sure. You can't depend on your friends. The only thing you can depend on is Hashem. The only thing we can take with us is Hashem. Hashem is with us 24-7. 24-7. And that's supposed to come to that conclusion. That Hashem is the only reality in our lives. He's the only thing we can depend on. And praise is a person who depends on Hashem. The only trouble is that Hashem throws us curveballs. Like he did to Abraham Vidu. And, and the curveballs are hard. And that's where the emunah, that's the test of emunah. Hashem is testing our faith all the time. Do you hear yeah. This curveball is coming to you. Do you believe it? Do you believe I'm still here? Do you believe I still care about you? Do you believe I still love you? Imagine, Tevye asked his wife, do you love me? What are you talking about? I cook for you, I clean for you, I wash your clothes. It's hard to imagine, right? Hashem, do you love me? But I just made, woke you up in the morning. I just gave you life. What do you mean, do I love you? You're still alive, right? What do you mean, do I love you? But we keep on asking Hashem, do, I, do you love me, Hashem? Do you love me? So we say the bracha before the Shema, every single morning, what do we say? Habocher be'amo Yisrael be'ahava. Oh, that's a very powerful word. Hashem chose the Jewish people be'ahava. Ahavat olam ahavtanu. Hashem came as far as to say ahavat olam. Hashem say ahava rabah. Oh boy, what's ahava rabah? Lots of love. Hashem loves us, we just can't imagine it. We just don't see it. Even though everything, even though in a person's life things are going well, they don't put it down to God's love, unfortunately, tragic. You know, the rabbi is saying that in the Sanhedrin we talked about yesterday is that the people of Sodom, why did they become evil? Because they had everything. And they said, we don't need God anymore. And that's the danger. The danger is a person who has everything decides they don't need God anymore. They don't realize God is giving them love. They're showering them with love. And same thing applies to spoiled kids. Everything they got from their parents and they kicked their parents. It's horrible. They kicked their parents. Why? But they got everything from their parents and they're spoiled. So same thing, Hashem can spoil a person with his love. So sometimes Hashem takes away the love because I don't want to spoil you. And that's the reason why sometimes it doesn't go so well. But we have to realize Hashem loves us like, because we're his children. We're our creations. He doesn't want to destroy his creations. He wants the creations to flourish. So the Torah also says, 
There's nothing but God. In other words, God is the reality. There's a bumper sticker. Someone gave me a sticker. There's nothing else. There's only God. That's it. There's nothing else. Reality is God. We say this pasuk when we take out the Torah. Nothing else. There's nothing else. There's nothing else except God. We have to realize that. We have to understand that. So there's nothing else but God. This is in Dvarim chapter 4. Verse 35, chapter 4, verse 35, nothing else shares his ultimate reality. This being is God of the world, Lord of all the earth. His power is neither end nor limit. Hashem is powerful, we can't even understand, infinite power. Infinite power. All we have to do is tap into that power. If you can tap into that power, you'll also have infinite power. Hashem's going to give, he's going to give the Mashiach infinite power. He's going to give him the power to rule the, rule the, rule the world and, uh, without any blows, without any fights. People are going to recognize, wow, this is God's power, this is God's energy, that's it. That's enough. We give up. And to know this one of the commandments of the Torah, all this is the commandment of I am the Lord your God, the first of the Ten Commandments. Okay. So the Rambam writes in Chot Teshuva, the one of the worst sins is sins of lack of belief. Amin. Amin is someone who does not believe. Uh, same similar to an apikoros. We're going to talk about what does it mean. What is an apikoros? Slightly different. Five are in the category of the non-believer. Mean one who says there is no god and the world has no master. That is part of the mean. So therefore, this mitzvah is really take away from that. So a person who believes in God. What does mean? A mean mem yud nun. It's like a disbeliever. A mean is a disbeliever. Minim v'amal shinim. You say it out tefillah every day. La minim shinim al titiva. Pray. We pray. Right. All right. So, so the question we have is: When Hashem says, "I am the Lord your God," who took you out of the land of Egypt? Why did He say, "I am the Lord your God who created the world"? Why does He say, "I am the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt"? Why does Why does He talk about the creation of the world? So, okay. So, number one is we never experienced the creation. No, we weren't there. We weren't. Hashem said, "I am the creator of the world." Okay, but prove it. But I am the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt. For sure, we know that already. We know that. For sure. <laughs> Number two is, if he said, I'm the creator of the world, obviously you create the world. Okay, but do you care about us? He says, I care about you. I took you out of Egypt. So we see over there, Hashem is not just the creator, but he's also the ruler. That's why the coming out of Egypt is the ruler. That's why, so on Shabbat, we say both. On Shabbat, we have two reasons for Shabbat. In the first, there's two, uh, twice, the Torah mentions the Ten Commandments twice. In Parshat, Vaitchanan, and Parshat Yitro. Yitro and Vaychanan. So Yitro says, Zachot Yom Shabbat Kachor. Why? Because seven days I create the world, and the sixth day I rested. Seventh day I rested. Six days I create the world. Seventh day I rested. The second time in Vaychanan, it says, I remember to keep the Shabbat. Why? Shamor Yom Shabbat. It doesn't say Zachor. It says Shachmor. Keep the Shabbat. Why? Because six days you were slaves. Because remember, I took you out of slavery. So you work as slaves. Now you're free. So both, we need both concepts, the creation of the world and the slavery. Why? Creation of the world is God is the creator. The taking out of Egypt is God is the interferer. So we believe in God who is a creator and an interferer. He can interfere as well in our lives. Otherwise, there's no point of praying. Who is the first person in the world who prayed? Quickly. Quickly, come on. ABC of Judaism. Abraham. There you go. AB. AB. ABC. I said ABC. A, I'll give you a clue. Abraham. Abraham Avinu was the first who prayed. What does he pray for? Huh? He prays for Saddam. Uh, but before that, he asked a question. Hashem says, your, your children are going to be like the sand and the sea, stars. Then he gets Ishmael. 
And then Hashem says, I'm going to send you a son. He says, but what about Ishmael? Lu Ishmael! Oh God, I wish he didn't pray that. <laughs> Please, Hashem, Ishmael should live before you. Hashem says, okay, he'll be a great nation, but you're going to have another son. But he prayed. So you see, he prayed. So he's praying. Abraham was the first one who prayed. Abraham was the first one who came along and says, you can change God's plan. I can change God's plan? Yes. There's a mechanism in God's creation that allows a human being to change God's plan through prayer. Wow. Noah didn't know that. What do you think? Why, why did Noah not pray? And the answer is, he didn't know you could pray. He thought, you know, God runs through the world, and he's the king, and you can't, you can't ask the king for favors. The king gets angry, angry if you ask for favors. So he didn't ask for favors. Abraham Avinu says, Hashem is chesed. Uh, Abraham Avinu is chesed, personified. And therefore, you, someone who's chesed, you can always ask for favors. So you can always ask Hashem for favors. And that's the highest level of prayer. Highest level of prayer is, Hashem, don't do it because I deserve it. If you say you deserve it, you're finished. <laughs> then there's an examination. Ah, let's see if you really deserve it. But if you say, Hashem, please answer me because of your chesed, that's a good, likely it's going to pray. Yes? You said a little while ago that you cannot change Hashem's plan. You can alter it a little, delay it. Now you're saying with prayer you can. Yes. In other words, what am I saying? So I'm saying short term you can. In other words, for my life, it's short term. In the, there's a major divine plan, okay? Mashiach's going to come, that's uh, 6,000 years. I don't know what it's going to be, 6,000 years, okay? So in the meantime, we can play around. We can change mm-hmm. it. How do you change it? With prayer. Right, because if one does tshuva, Through our prayer and through our tshuva and through our choices. Right. There's different ways of changing Hashem's plan. But you're, not, you're not really changing his plan because his plan was the end plan. And he knew you were going to do this, so it's part of his plan. It becomes part of, whatever we do becomes part of his plan. That's like a chess master. Whatever move you do, okay, he'll make it part of his game. Mm-hmm. So Hashem knows. He knows in advance what you're going to do. He knows in advance what you're going to do. And he makes that part of his plan. Anyway, so we can change it. What I mean we can change it, we can change it. In our eyes, we are changing it. In his eyes, we're not changing anything. Because he knew what we were going to do. He knew what we were going to pray for. And it's already part of his plan. It's amazing. But we have that opportunity. Because if we didn't pray for it, something else would happen to make up for it. The plan would be there anyway, but without our prayer. So maybe it will come through some other... Uh, okay, so let me give you an example. So say uh, Ruth, right? Ruth, she converts to become Jewish, and from her comes Mashiach, comes her David Melech. Suppose she didn't... She says, you know what, I'm not going to convert. She's not going to convert. Ruth says, I'm not going to convert. So what happened? Someone else from her family would have to convert. Someone else would do it. If it's not going to be you, if you're not going to do part Hashem's plan, someone else will do it. So the grandfather would do the mitzvah, for example, very clear, very clear in the Torah. Terach is going to Eretz Canaan. You know what happens to Terach? He's a Baal Teshuvah. He, he wants to go to Eretz Canaan. What happened to him? He gets stuck in Haran. He gets stuck in Haran. So what happens? Hashem says, Abraham, you go to. You finish off your father's mission. Sometimes the father doesn't complete. The parents don't complete the mission. The children have to complete it. So whether they like it, they don't know about it sometimes. Sometimes we don't even know. We're the Gilgulim of our parents and grandparents and we come back and uh, they don't know. We're, f- we're finishing off what they have to do. Okay. David Amelech couldn't build the temple. Shlomo Amelech built it. Right. So his son, sometimes the mission is there and the family's got to complete it. But Okay, so it's better that we do it ourselves. Let's, let's do it ourselves. Let's not wait for the next generation, the next generation. Let's do it ourselves. Okay, beautiful. Very good. All right, we discussed before this uh, big discussion, discussion up here. We're going to talk a bit about um, these 13 principles of faith are from the Rambam. The Rambam wrote it in his commentary on the Mishnah. 
and Sanhedrin we talked about. You can get this in English by Fred Rosner. This is Rambam's commentary, the Mishnah on Masechet Sanhedrin. So in Masechet Sanhedrin, there's a chapter which we all say in our prayers every day, Kol Yisrael Every single Jew is a portion in the world to come. Right? What we don't do is say the next part of the Mishnah. The next part of the Mishnah is, except for okay. three kings and four commoners. And then it goes for other things. And one of the things he talks about is the people of Sodom. And no ah. portion of the world to come. And, uh, okay, Dora Mabul, the people from the, from the flood. Others, other people, okay, so we just talk about the nice part of it. <laughs> from there, the Rambam learns out that one of the critical uh, criteria to give a person Olam Abba is beliefs. This is where he gets it from, from this chapter. And that's, why he, that's where he writes his 13 principles of faith. If you want a portion of the world to come, you have to believe in these 13 things, Rambam says. Psh, that's amazing. Anyway. So uh, he uh, Yigdal became a song based on these thirty principles of faith. Some people say Rav Daniel Ben Yehuda Merobi wrote it. We don't exactly know who's the author of the poem Yigdal. Are we say Yigdal. We have to know Yigdal is a song of the thirty principles of faith. It took the thirty principles of faith and made it into a song that we sing on Friday nights, right? Mm-hmm. It's Friday nights. We sing Yigdal. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry because I wasn't here last week, so I don't yes. know if you said it. But so look at the I'm, video. Torah Anytime. <laughs> go to TorahAnytime.com. And we're re- recording it right now. And you go and you look up, you click up, you have 121 classes to choose from. Good. The list of animamans that we say? Yes. Did Rambam write them that yes. way? Yes. Yes. That's so Rambam. Is it the Spartan and the Ashkenazi one different? That's the Zahirot, I think. The Zahirot. The, the remembrances. They're different. The six remembrances and Sfarim we write ten remembrances. Ashkenazim has six remembrances and Sfarim has ten remembrances. We have more things to remember. But the, the Aveni Mahmoud is the same, I think. That's the Rambam. Okay for the Rambam. Okay. There being Gedolim like the Abarbanel, the Radbaz, Khatam Sofer, Rabbi Yaakov Emden, who disagreed with the notion the Rambam had with these, the Yudgimul Ikari. So Rambam writes, these are the 13 principles, these are the main principles of our faith. They say, what are you talking about? If you say that these are the main principles, you mean everything else is annulled? You're annulling everything else by making these the main things. You're annulling everything else. They didn't like the fact that he referred to them as main. Mm-hmm. As what? The main. main. Ikar. Ikar. Uh-huh. If this is the Ikar, then the rest is Tafel. If this is the main, then everything else is, is annulled. Everything else is... Uh... So that's what they didn't like, and they disagreed to call it the 13 Ikarim. Okay. They felt if you refer to these as the main things, it implies everything else is not main thing. They're not important. And this could be compared to the Ten Commandments. You know, the rabbis wanted to make the Ten Commandments part of our prayers every day. But they didn't. You know why? Because the minim, these people who disbelieved, would say, the whole Torah is just subservient to the Ten Commandments. The main things are Ten Commandments. As long as you keep Ten Commandments. If you go to the, on the street and ask most Jews, how many commandments are there? You know what they'll tell you? Ten. Ten. Because they saw the movie. <laughs> they won't say 613. No one knows 613. They say, what? 613? God, how can you say that? Most people go crazy. You tell them 613. They tell them, oh, it's mostly negative, 365 negatives. Just don't do it. <laughs> you do these before just by sitting down, just by going to sleep. Yeah, mostly. mostly. Okay. So that's the reason why they didn't want to say these are 13 principles, the main principles of the Torah. Otherwise, uh, that's what the rabbis wanted to put. The they wanted to put the Ten Commandments in the prayers, but they said we can't put them in the prayers. Because if we put them in the prayers, what's going to happen? People will say that is the main commandments. 
And that's the same thing with 13 principles. If you say the 13 principles, then you're saying that the rest of the Torah is not principle. So, the answer is not, it's not, Ikar, Ikarim does not mean principles. Ikarim means not the Ikar and Tafel. Ikarim means the Shoresh, means the roots. Right? Ikar also means a root, a Shoresh. The Rabbah meant the Yud Gimel Ikarim, the roots of Judaism, the 13 roots of Judaism. Why? Because the Torah says, Sadiq Bemunato Yichyeh. A tzaddik lives on his emunah. A tzaddik lives on his emunah. What does it mean, tzaddik? A tzaddik lives on his emunah. A righteous person is sustained by the emunah. A faith. Or knowledge. Depends how you translate. Okay? A tzaddik, we talked about the Rabbi Hirsch. Remember Rabbi Hirsch? Last week we talked about Rabbi Hirsch. How he translates the word amen. He said the word amen is the shortest of the word emunah. And the word amen comes from the word uman. Uman is a artisan. No, it's something concrete. It's not just something which is faith in the air. I have, I have faith. I have faith. No, it's something concrete. It's something you have to create. It's something created. It's something physical. It's, it's knowledge, not just faith. So these are the, the shoresh. These are the roots of a person's body. So the body is the 630 commandments because there's 365... Help me, help me, come on. 365... Commandments. Oh, the body, the body, the oh, body. body. 365 sinews and 248 limbs. So that's the body. So what is the main, what is the roots of the body? Belief. That's what, that's what he's saying. The roots of the body is belief. We are sustained, it's true. There's no other way. We are sustained by our faith. How, do, how could Jews live through these horrible centuries of uh, persecution? And the answer is we live on our faith. That's it. We live in a faith. That tomorrow's going to be a better day. Hashem is on our side. Hashem will help us get through this. How can a Jew move from country to country to country to country? Listen, I've lived in five countries in my life. I don't know. It hasn't stopped yet. So, <laughs> so, so it's, uh, it's like a wandering Jew. How do you survive? And the answer is it's all in your faith. You know, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or day after. No one knows. You survive on your faith. You survive on your faith. That's it. So that's why it's called an ikar. It's called an ikar because without it, the main ingredient of our keeps us going is our faith. And a person's got to know, in their life, the main ingredient of their life is faith. I, I, don't, I know. You're going through all these trials of tribulation. A person's sick. A person has surrounded by other people's sick. But things are not going well financially. What do you have to lean on? Who do you have to lean on? Only Hashem. Only our faith. That's it. So very, very powerful. The Rambam on, on, on uh, knowledge of God is... Okay, let's move on to the next part. What else is involved in faith? And the answer is, bitachon. Trust in God. What's between faith and trust? That's exactly what we were talking about earlier. The difference between faith and God. So who brings this down? This is the Rosh. Who is the Rosh? Who remembers? Rabenu Asher. Rabenu Asher. Mm-hmm. who was a chief, made, eventually became he's an Ashkenazi from Germany one of the students of Maharam of Rottenburg the students of Maharam of Rottenburg what happened to Maharam of Rottenburg? the evil Germans, they captured and put and held him to ransom they were evil, from the beginning I don't know why Jews ever moved to Germany it's such a big mistake every century they murdered us, every century they murdered us there's pogroms, crusades, everything they, they put this rabbi in jail and they held him to ransom and he passed a, a law, he said no one's allowed to ransom me if anyone ransoms me then they're going to ransom off all the rabbis. So no one is allowed to pay the ransom, and he died in jail. Poor fellow, gosh. But the students were allowed to go and learn from him. And the rabbin Asher went and learned from him, but he was scared that he's going to be ransomed as well. So he ran away to Spain. Can you imagine? Ashkenazi rabbi runs to Spain. What did the Sephardim do with him? They appointed him chief rabbi of Toledo. 
unheard of, amazing. This Ashkenazi rabbi is the chief rabbi of Toledo, of Sephardim. Hard to imagine. Rabbeinu Asher, he wrote a commentary on the whole Talmud, so he's a genius, and they appreciate that. And he has a book, a very powerful book, very small, very powerful book. It's called Orchot Chaim of the Rush. What time period? Uh, so we're talking about the 13th century, 13th, 14th century. So it's after Rambam. But uh, so it's, it's, it's a time where the Muslims and the Christians, it was a reconquest of, it's called a reconquest of Spain. The Christians are slowly conquering parts of Spain from the Muslims. So that's the time period. And the Rush became the chief rabbi of Toledo. And he wrote a very powerful book, which in most yeshivot they learn in Elul. It's a very small book. It's called Orchot Hayim. The way, the path of life. Orchot Hayim, and it's called Orchot, there's two Orchot Hayim, so it's called Orchot Harim Hayim La Rosh. It's called Orchot Hayim of the Rosh, Rabbeinu Asher. And over there he writes, Liftoach ba'ashem bechol levavcha. Person's got to trust in God with all their heart. Hulhamid ba'ashgachato apratit. And to believe in divine providence of the individual. So it's a mitzvah, can you imagine? So Rosh takes this mitzvah of, know, of knowing God and extending it to bitachon. And that's the, how, where did he learn this from? Because it says, I'm the Lord your God, took you out of Egypt. What's coming out of Egypt? Got to do with knowledge of God. And the answer is, I look after you. I took you out of Egypt. You have to trust in me. I can do things for you that, you know, can you imagine? Whenever I have troubles, what I think about is Gal Israel. Baruch atah Hashem, Gal Israel. Baruch you got to think about the coming out of Egypt, how Hashem split the sea. Just think about it. In our lives, we are surrounded by barriers. There's always barriers. A person can't find a mate, a person can't find a job, but all these are barriers. Just like Hashem split the sea, so too Hashem will split the sea for me. But I believe in perfect faith, Hashem can split the sea for me. And you know what? Hashem does split the sea. But we have to believe in it. You have to believe in it. You have to move forward. And the sea splits eventually. So that's what he's talking about. Lift up Hashem to have trust in God. With all your heart. It's not just trust in God. Eh, I trust in God. Maybe. That's not good enough. It's got to be with all your heart and to know that Hashem cares about everyone and Hashem can involve himself in everyone's life and uh, he, he worries about everything to the infinite detail. Whether, whether you're going to put your hand in your pocket and try and take out a quarter, is it going to come out a quarter or, or a penny or whatever it is? That's Hashgah Chapratit. It's all God's hands. Your person's going to open a book and they get to the right page. It's Hashgah Chapratit. Your going to know. And then you will create the perfect unity in your head. In other words, if you believe that God is there as a creator, but not the, the interferer, that's not unity of God. You just split God into parts. Because you believe in only part of God, you don't believe the other part. But if you believe in God as the creator and he's involved with you and he's in the fear and you can trust in him, then you just create a perfect unity. In your head, God is one, complete one. Mm-hmm. You cannot split God into parts. So by splitting off a person that says, you know, I believe in God the creator. I don't believe in God the interferer. God has no part in my life. He's not interfering in my life. I don't care. Da, 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 da. He, just, he just split God in his head. So he doesn't create a unity. He doesn't believe in the unity of God. A person does not believe. A person does not believe that God took us out of Egypt. He true. He also does not believe that there is a God. This but is God why. also sent us to us to come Yes, of course. If He didn't send us to Mitzrayim, we couldn't come out. So, <laughs> so the question is, what's the more important part of it? Is it the going into Egypt? Listen, it's a, it's a misnomer to say God sent us to Egypt. We caused it because we sold our brother. 
So now the question is, what would happen if we didn't sell our brother? And the answer is, we'd end up in Egypt. Again, that's the question. God has a plan. So whether they sold Yosef, they didn't sell Yosef, eventually they would end up in Egypt. That, that's part of God's plan. So the question is, how is it going to happen? It could happen through a good way, it could happen through a bad way. How could it happen through a bad way? Mm-hmm. Because already God predicted, don't forget, God said to Abraham, your, your descendants will be strangers of foreign land and they'll be afflicted. Yeah. 400 years. Luckily, he, he counted the 400 years from the birth of Yitzhak. Right. So again, the plan exists. We can alter the plan. By our prayers, we can shorten things. Amazing. So he says, so a person who believes in part, he believes that God created, but he doesn't believe, I believe in God, but I don't believe that God took us out of Egypt. There's no Yehud. You're believing in partial, you can't. It's, it's a package deal. You have to believe in a God who's a creator and interferer, who worries about you personally. And this is the foundation of the whole Torah. Amazing. Very powerful. So that's the connection between I am the Lord your God and who took you out of Egypt. And the Lord your God is, believe in me. No, there's one God. To get out of Egypt, believe that also I can interfere in your life. I am the one who cares about you. Okay, that's, that's the Rosh, Rabbi Asher. Let's do a little bit of the Ramchal. Ramchal, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Luzato. What did he write? Path of the Just, Misilad Sharim, and many other books. Genius, this guy was a genius. Derech Hashem, very powerful. Kol Ish Yisrael, every single Jew, Sarich Shiamin Veda, should believe and know. He adds both. He should believe and know that there is a creator. The original creator, who is everlasting, who created everything. Whatever is around, he created. And he is God. Furthermore, he should know that the truth of his, of his, of his being there is, cannot be completely understood. We can never understand God. It's impossible to understand God with our puny little brains because we can only stand, understand things that we can see and feel and touch or experience. Now, if you can experience God, I halavai, uh, you're on a very high level spiritually. If a person comes to shul, how many people come to shul and really experience God? If they did experience God, they wouldn't talk, I bet you. Mm-hmm. If you see a guy talking in shul, for sure he's not experiencing God. For sure. I, for sure. Totally. There's no question about it. And the fact that he's talking is also gonna, not going to let him experience God because his mind is diverted from God. To experience God, you have to be focused on God. If you're not focused on God, you're not experiencing God. So that's how the prophets experience God, by meditating on God. Meditating on spiritual things. You experience spiritual things. If you're not meditating on spiritual things, you're not going to experience spiritual things. Very simple. So a person having a mundane conversation is not going to experience God. Very simple. So since it's impossible to understand God, a person got to realize that. But I want to feel it. I want to feel God's presence. I want to feel the spirituality of God's presence. I want to come to Shul Rabbi. I don't feel anything over here. It's an acquired taste. Spirituality is an acquired taste. It's not something you can feel straight away. If I give you Brussels sprouts to eat, you're going to say it's disgusting. <laughs> you have to acquire the taste. Same thing, spirituality is a sensitivity you have to acquire to understand and, and feel God's presence. So, you know, one day we're going to experience it and we're going to go crazy. And that's uh, all the Jews felt it at Har Sinai, they were crazy. So we have to understand and experience it, and, and not just experience it, but David Amel says, Saman Afshi Lelokim Lelchayim. Actually, it was the Mizmor Levnei Korach. 
Imagine the, 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 uh, the sons of Korah, how they get to that level where they could say, I'm, I'm thirsty, like a heart pants for water. So I'm thirsty for you, Hashem. Halavai, we get to that level. And then a person might, might feel, that's what Abraham Avinu got, God, God speaking to him. Why did God speak to Abraham Avinu? Because Abraham Avinu is every day, Hashem, I'm looking for you, I'm looking for you. Show yourself to me, show yourself, show me, show me. It says 40 years, he was pleading with God, 30, 37 years. He was three years old when he started, and at 40 years old he got to the level where Hashem speaks to him. 37 years of searching until Hashem says, I'm here. What do you want? He waited till um, this guy was 37, connecting him? I don't know. Maybe. That's a 37 powerful day, powerful, powerful uh, number of years. Yeah, could be. Avot Simanabanim, it says. <coughs> Whatever happens to the fathers happens to the sons. So the trouble is. The true level of God's uh, being is not able, we're not able to grasp. That's the trouble. The only thing we know, he says, is that Hashem is perfect. And there's no lack in Hashem. This is Ramchal. Ramchal, if anyone knew anything about Hashem, Ramchal was already having visions at a very 17 years old. He's writing visions. He's having visions of the next world, have visions of angels. Ramchal was a very special human being. It says, the Vilna Gaon says about the Ramchal, imagine, think about it. The Vilna Gaon says, if the Ramchal was alive in my time, I would go and crawl on my knees to the Ramchal. The Vilna Gaon says, I would crawl on my knees. I can't imagine the greatness of the Ramchal. I can't imagine. There's nothing to compare. The Ramchal. And that's, it's like the Arizal, 38. 38. I think like the Arizal, also 38. So... It was the Arizal and Ramchal, the, the two the geniuses. Ramchal explained the Arizal based on the works of the Arizal. Where, where was he? He was in Italy, Luzzato, in Italy, and eventually he ran away from Italy. They put him in Cherem because <laughs> he was like a, they thought he was going to be another Shabtai Tzvi. He was very early age, he's having these prophecies, he's teaching Kabbalah, very dangerous, he's not married. It was under 40. So he ran away. To, exactly. So that's when they made the law for 40. That's when they made the law. So he ran away to? Veria. Holland. He's very into Veria. Yeah. He's very into So they say. <laughs> but apparently he has two tombs. I don't know. <laughs> so he died in Akko. Apparently he died in Akko. But uh, he's, he has a cover over there in Tiberia, right next to Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, Ramchal. There's two Kvarim over there. If you go to Rabbi Akiva's grave, you'll find the Ramchal is buried over there. I don't know for sure if he's buried over there, but he's, he, has a, he has a cabin over there. So Ramchal moved to, to Holland, where he became a glass grinder, making glasses, uh, I guess telescopes, uh, glass with telescopes, he had to grind it by hand. He's a glass grinder, but he's also, he wrote about 60, 70 books. Kabbalist. I mean, he's unbelievable. Prolific writer to the age of 38, that's it. Most of us don't produce anything at the age of 38. <laughs> These guys, that was their main life. Every day was a new creation. He wrote, he wrote Masilat Yisraelim in eight days. I mean, it's all in his head. He's just like, pfft. everything's there already. He, just, and he was gifted. There's no question about it. Very, very, very gifted. And uh, so, okay. Anim Amin. Okay, so that's the Amin Amin. We believe in God. That's the first mitzvah. Let's just go a little bit more detail. What does this mitzvah entail? Okay. So we're obligated to know there's a prime being who brought us all into existence, everything into existence, mm-hmm. and continually sustains that existence. 
Mechadesh Mitvo Bechol Yom Tamid, he contains us, the existence, if God would stop willing the world to exist, it would just disappear. So, he's the prime being, he brought the world, the whole world, the universe into existence, he continues to say his existence, we must further know he is the Lord of the universe and runs it with his limitless power. That is a ruler, and he runs it with limitless power. He has unlimited power. Ensof Baruchu. The Kabbalah says Ensof Baruchu. They call him the Ensof. No limits, no boundaries. For God, there's no boundaries. One must also be aware of the following. Number one, Hashem has always existed, and then he has yes forever. And that prior to creation, nothing else existed apart from Hashem. Hashem was there from the beginning to the end. Why? He's above time. God does not change. He's never changing. Unchanging, and therefore He always existed. Number two, everything in existence is dependent on Hashem. But Hashem's existence is not dependent on anything else. Number three, Hashem has no corporal body or form, which we're going to talk about later on. Hashem has no body and no form. Because if He did have a body and form, then He would be limited by the body and form. If you say God is limited, is, uh, has a body, you're a limited God. Which is uh, one of the big controversies Ramon we talked about yesterday. Ramon says, God has no body and form. And Rava says, what are you talking about? Many great rabbis believe that he did have a body and form. Because the Torah says, uh, you're the eye of God, the, no, the, 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 the finger of God, the hand of God, the back of God, the fat of God. Chasve shalom, chasve shalom, chasve shalom. Ramon says, allegory, allegorical, it's, it's a metaphor. Don't take it literally. How did Abraham met with God? And he struggled with him. Oh, that was Jacob. 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 It's, it doesn't say God. He's bet with the Malach. Je- Malach oh, Elohim. That was Jacob. That's right. Jacob yeah. with the angel. 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 angel of God. Angel of God. Didn't Hashem. So it, was, it wasn't God. You can't touch God. It was the angel. Angel, yeah. It was an angel. angel and some people say it was the angel of Esau. The bad angel. It was a bad angel. But the scripture says that you struggled with God. Not no, it doesn't. It doesn't. If you look at it, it says the name that you struggled with God. He changes Jacob's name into... Yisrael, you struggled with God and man, and you prevailed. That's Yisrael. But if you look at the the story, it says, and in the night, in the evening, when he went back across the river, it says, and a man grabbed hold of it. Man, yeah. over there, it says a man. It's a very strange story. So Rambam takes it literally. Rambam does not take it literally. Rambam says, don't take it literally. You can't you can't fight with an angel. <laughs> Rambam says it was an internal fight. It was a psychological fight with himself. A fight in his mind. He had, a, he had a vision. It was a vision. vision. Right. Rambam says a general rule. Whenever it says a person saw an angel, it's, it's a in vision. a vision. It's a vision. You cannot see an angel. Whereas even the three angels but came to eat. Anyway, so that's a good question. It's not fight with himself. It's fight with the inside in his head. He imagined the fight. You he don't a, think that God slips in anybody that he wants to? Um, God can decree anything he wants, but the angels fulfill his mission. It was, what is the angel? The angel is an emanation. We're all emanations of God. But not God, though. There's a difference between emanation of God and God. Okay, let's not get involved. Okay. Hashem has no body or form. He's a spirit. Whatever that means. Not even a spirit. Because by saying a spirit, you're defining him. You can't define him. That's why the, the, the Kabbalists say the only way to define him is by a negative. We can only define God by things we know, which we know. Can't you can't. He can't. He, the negatives of God. He is ein sof. There's no end to God. He's above time. Time does not involve God. Right? There's no limits to his power. All these are negatives. We can't say anything positive about God. We don't know anything about God. That's what the Ramchal says. We don't know anything about God. All we know is the negatives. Yet he knows everything. He knows everything. He's uh, aware of everything. 
Okay, so that's, uh, I think we finished conclude over here, that completes number first mitzvah, then to the next week we'll go by Rashi, the second principle. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.